Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and our shortcomings, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that you have given me with my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you have given us yet another day to uplift your name, Lord, and to praise you, Lord, yes, Lord. that we might be edified and we may be taught of your word, that your spirit may indwell us, Lord, as we sharpen each other, iron sharpening iron. Yes, Lord. And Lord, I ask for those who couldn't be here today, Lord, that you watch over them. I knew because of tonight's study, Lord, that spiritual warfare would hit this ministry greatly. But I'm grateful for those, Lord, who could make it, Lord, because, you know, we just have to get to that point in place where we become sold out for you. Yes, Lord. And I'm asking that you give us a heart to do so, that we may follow you in obedience, yes, that you give us hearing hearts, Lord, that we may not miss the mark. But, Lord, we know that your love and your mercy endures forever. Well, I pray, Lord, that you build soldiers. I pray that you become, that you get us to be a part of this remnant, Lord, that you are going to have to make moves. But, Lord, we've got an adversary to deal with. We've got an issue to tackle tonight, Lord, and I'm asking for your wisdom and your great guidance, yes, Lord, that you may teach us your word. Please, Lord, let no flesh be glorified in this. But let the glory be all yours, for you are worthy of all praises. In the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every slandering spirit, every lion spirit, every demon dog spirit, every witchcraft spirit, every spirit slothful that is not of Jesus Christ, Lord. Let it be moved aside. Let it be taken out of the way. And let the Holy Ghost fall mightily, Lord, here. That your presence, Lord, will be felt and your words will be heard. Yes, For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and you are true. And you are worthy of all praises. Yes, Give us insight tonight, Lord. Give us revelation. Give us understanding that we might not get it wrong. That we might teach others, Lord, as you teach us. Do it, Lord. And for those who are sick tonight, Lord, I proclaim in Jesus' name that those spirits be taken away from them. And that you cover your people in your armor, that they may be made whole. Do it, Lord. Let us become a machine for the gospel. Let us become evangelists, Lord, those who are set on fire to deliver your word that other people might get saved. For the enemy himself is taking people captive at his leisure. And Lord, someone's got to stand in the gap. Yes, Lord God. But in order for us to stand in the gap, we have to have you first and foremost. And then we have to understand our adversary. Yes, and that is what we intend to do tonight, tonight with the help of the Lord, through your wisdom, through your might, through your love, through your truth. Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus, for being an awesome God, yes, for being good, and for caring, Lord, yes, for those who have spat in your face. Yes, Lord, I pray that you forgive them for every blaspheming yes, word, everything that they've ever done in pure ignorance, Lord. Yes, Give them time that they may come in, that they yes, might see. Because aside from you, Lord, 
is a lake of fire. Yes, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, tonight's study is going to be called Lucifer the Light Bearer. Lucifer the Light Bearer. Now, I know some people would wonder, how can you dedicate a whole Bible study to old Lucifer? Well, the thing is, is that I believe that in order for us to really gain some ground here, or even recognize what our purpose is concerning Jesus Christ, it is important that we understand Lucifer. Because, um, you know, I, I've just been looking over his life or his time with the Lord and his time away from him. And, you know, this was a guy, or well, being a cherub, that had it all. I mean, this guy had it made in the shade. This guy was, as we're going to read, almost perfect, you know, aside from God. I mean, you know, or right, you know, underneath that he was given so many gifts. I mean, he was given great beauty. He was given wisdom. And I mean, at one point, he glorified the Lord. And a lot of people look at the fall of Lucifer, not that we're supposed to have a heart after him. That's not even what, I, what I'm saying is, but most people look at him with like a kind of, you know, yeah, oh, nasty, dirty devil. And he is, <laughs> you know, but the point is, is we got to understand this guy because, you know, we're not that far from him. If we think that we can do this aside from Jesus Christ, it is important that we have him in our lives that we might grow. But this was a tragic story. This was a story of a being that God created that rebelled against him and used everything he could to destroy God's people. And he's been doing it for a long time. And we've got to understand why he's able to do these things, why I've always called him an excellent ballroom dancer, because the devil is not somebody that you can corner aside from Jesus Christ. Outside of him, we can't deal with this guy. Why? Because he will meet you at your need. He's not like God. God will give you the truth and you either stand for it or you go against it. Now, we know that God has love. He has mercy. He has grace. And God has, he, he sees it all. He even knows who's going to be saved and who won't. But understanding Lucifer, he will, I mean, it's just like if you were to say to yourself, I'm a good Christian and I'm serving the Lord and doing what I need to do. Lucifer is not going to tell you that you're not. He might, but if that don't work, he'll say, you know what? You are a good Christian. And more importantly, you are almost there. And, and you are really an example of what a Christian should be. This is the adversary. Now you think, man, every Christian would want to hear that. But as we're going to learn, this guy can dance you all the way right or all the way left. How he wins matters little to him. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the only reason why I'm even speaking on this guy tonight is because we have to understand this whole walk, how everything went down from the beginning and what God intends to do for us. That's right. Long story short, we are to be Lucifer when we get into heaven. Not to be the Lucifer that fell, but to be the Lucifer that 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 shed light on everything. And that's why Jesus always tells us, you are the light of the world. And many people believe that his fall came before Adam and Eve. You know what? The more I look at it, 
I'm kind of believing that because God said, you know, let us make man in our image after our likeness that, you know, I think he was trying to prove something like the Lord was saying, okay, I'm not going for the whole thing of having something outside of me, you know, glorify me. I want something made in my image that I might be glorified. So what made Adam and Eve obedient to the Lord was the spirit that was in Adam and Eve. They had the spirit. They had the nature of God. And as you know, the enemy tempted them and they fell because he took their eyes off of God and placed it on themselves. So this guy is crafty and we're going to get into it tonight. I know right now you're like, man, is he glorifying him or is he? Oh, no, not in the least. But we can't underestimate this guy either. All right. So let's get into it. Let's go to Ezekiel 28. We'll get started from there. We'll start at verse 11. Ezekiel 28 and 11, and it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, which was Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord. So we understand that God is asking Ezekiel to take up a lamentation. What is a lamentation? A lamentation is like a weeping or mourning song for something that wasn't, you know, something had gone wrong. So so right away, God is making it clear about this king of Tyrus. This is something to mourn about. Okay, this is not a good thing. This is a an awful situation that is about to take place that he's about to explain. So that, you know, and um, when we begin in Ezekiel 28, we talk about the prince of Tyrus, which was a man a king that did all sorts of things like the people of Tyre or Tyrus. They were known to, you know, worship Baal and get into all sorts of things. So, you know, the king of Tyrus would, would be over that prince. And this kind of goes back to what Paul was saying. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. There's principalities, there's powers, there's the rulers of the darkness of this world. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. So right now we're going into... What made the, the prince of Tyrus so fierce? And this is where he's putting the emphasis on this king of Tyrus. So then it says, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So right away, this guy had it all. I mean, full of wisdom. He was full of God's wisdom and he was perfect in beauty. So we can't even imagine what perfect beauty is. We have our own idea of what we think is beautiful. But, you know, the Bible's making clear here, if this guy ever appeared to us while he was an angel of the Lord, you might have just dropped dead from how beautiful he actually was. Mm -hmm. It would have been, like, breathtaking that this guy had all of this. So then it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold, the workmanship of thy taverns and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou was created. 
So, I mean, he must have shined like a rainbow. But if you go back to the beginning of 13, it talks about that this guy was in Eden, the garden of God. So at one point, you know, he was there before Adam and Eve. And Eden also represents pleasure or like splendor. But it's supposed to be a place of like where you would get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like your, like your every desire. It would be like a rest. It would just be, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, it, it means pleasure. That's what the real word for Eden meant. But it would be like contentment, you know, to be in the presence of God, of, of God in his garden. Now, these stones here would represent the same kind of stones that was on the priest, the high priest that used to go into the, um, in the Day of Atonement, would go into the most holy place, and he would make sure that these jewels and everything were together so he could be balanced out with the Lord to deliver the perfect sacrifice. But this guy had these stones made in him, so he was somewhat like a worship priest or leader in the presence of God. Yeah. Also, too, I just noticed this in here. I don't know why I've never picked up on it before. Maybe it was because of Sunday's Bible study, but it says, and the gold. And the gold. Yeah. So, you know, he would have been like that precious thing, like we were talking about in Sunday's study, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, the gold represents um, a gift for a king. But almost everything that God ever held precious, he always made in gold. Like if you look at his throne, if you look at the Ark of the Covenant, mm -hmm. if you look at certain areas that were in the um, the uh, in the temple, yeah. I mean there was gold everywhere. Yeah, Martin. I got a question about gold because it's like it's so abundant in the Bible, like as if they just picked it off the side of the road and melted it and made floors and made pillars, mm -hmm. and it's like, I mean, did they even mine for it, or is it just kind of like laying around the the earth? Like I think rocks? a little bit of both, but I know that gold. I think that. You know, why God loves it is because, I mean, he doesn't love it, he uses it, but gold really is a precious metal. Not for anybody's greed, but gold is known as a timeless metal, you know, that no matter what, like, because the value of diamonds will go up and go down. But you would think from way back when reading in these days that gold would just be, you know, like, man, you don't have anything better than gold by now? No. Gold is timeless. And even the wealthy people of the world that are stealing all the gold know this, that gold has, um, what do you call it? Like a, um, like antibacterial, um, yeah, so does silver. it endures, so does silver, but they are considered precious metals where they would even make forks of silver. And some people have even made uh, silverware of gold, you know, or like goldware, you may as well say, but it's supposed to be antibacterial, like it won't give you an infection. And that's why if you have like impure gold around your neck, you'll start breaking out and other things. But gold is a great conductor of electricity along with copper. There's a lot of things that gold can do. So it's a very precious metal. And men are mining for it. And God is who made it. So, I mean, it's just awesome to think about. But, yeah, that would symbolize that, you know, God even used him. Mm -hmm. But then it says, the workmanship of thy taverns like tambourines and thy pipes which prepared in thee the day that thou was created. So we understand that not only was he, you know, um, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, but this guy also was a musical instrument. We're going to find out why this is even important, why that the Lord used him for praise and to do other things. Okay, so then it says in verse 14, 
Thou art the anointed cherub. So what was he? Appointed to do something for the Lord. That covereth. Covereth is a type of word of protection or governor. So he had a very high position in the heavens in terms of angels listening to him, organization, whatever it is that God had him doing. And then it says, And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So I would imagine that these stones of fire, because the Bible makes clear that God's throne is a throne of fire, you would imagine that, you know, Lucifer, and I don't know why the Lord is revealing this to me right now, that he was able to go in and get deep into the presence of the Lord and to withdraw and go where he needed to go. That he was walking up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He was able to come to the Lord and speak to him and whatever and, and head back out and do what he needed to do. So you would say he had direct passage unto God. I mean, so verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways till the day, I mean, from the day that thou was created. Now, remember, the Bible tells us, it's in uh, Hebrews, um, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You go to Matthew 5 and you go to Luke 6, the Bible says, be ye holy or be ye perfect as your father is perfect. So we understand that Lucifer was a perfect angel, that he was well in, what do you call it, in sync with whatever God wanted him to do. So um, it says, till iniquity was found in thee. Now, you know, we got a study coming up on sin, iniquity, and transgression. I think it's important we understand what these things are because sin itself means to miss the mark. Sin is like the, sin is like the end of everything that we do. Like, okay, when you have done something wrong, you missed the mark, that is considered sin, okay, <laughs> if it's not in the will of the Lord. But then when you transgress, you're what? Willfully sinning. Willfully sinning, so you're in rebellion to what God called you to do. God says to do one thing, you do another. So because he warned you, that makes you a transgressor, which is real dangerous, but it all begins in iniquity. And what is iniquity? A nature. Mm -hmm. A nature was found in Lucifer that wasn't there from the beginning that turned his heart away from God. So it is good that before we sin or before we transgress, that we have a deep understanding of iniquity because iniquity comes very subtly. It's just like if someone were to correct you and study or something and you get kind of embarrassed or somewhat offended, that's iniquity. Because from that stems pride. From that stems things that God doesn't even want you to have. Or when you, let's just say, you give to somebody and your heart's not pure and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, man, I, I had to eat. But, you know, this person, I gave him my last whatever. That's iniquity. Because you didn't exactly sin. You did it, but you didn't do it in the right fruit. You know, so you were off course. All right, so iniquity was found in, in, the, in, in Lucifer, verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. So what was he doing? He was up in heaven selling himself. For whatever reason, the Bible, well, the Bible does make clear, but for whatever reason, he just felt like, you know, I'm just going to start slandering the Lord. I'm just going to start talking about me to the angels, and I'm just going to forget all about what God has shown me or, or, or gave me. So it says that it filled the midst of him 
with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering, O governing, O protecting cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. So away from the presence of God, away from his throne, the Lord wanted to get rid of him because, you know, he wasn't right. But we need to look at in this verse the word profane. What is profane? That which makes the temple dirty. That which makes the temple dirty. And that's where we get the word profanity. So just by the way a person speaks ought to tell you what's inside of them. Hold where you are real quick. Let's go to um let's go to first Corinthians chapter three and we'll head right back to this. So what are the stones of fire like? Is it like I believe that they were like, when it says up and down on the stones of fire, I almost imagine them being steps, yeah. like stairs to the Lord or pack it, you know, a passage to him and back down. Sounds and, like the Lord lives in the sun or something. <laughs> well, you know, he lives in Eden. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, when it talks about the holy mountain of God, you know, it just shows that God had... Uh, Sounds like the, ste the steps were also like, um, well, I know that heaven is pure, but they were like... It was like fire of purity right. because we have to be purified by fire. Absolutely. And I know what I'm what I'm talking about right now is the truth. Let's go to First Corinthians three and sixteen. You guys there? Mm -hmm. First Corinthians three and sixteen. It says, Well start at fifteen. If any man shall work, I mean if any man work if any man's work shall be burned, uh, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So what does fire do? It purges you clean. Mm -hmm. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So you understand here that God is warning us about something that had already occurred. So what we're going to understand tonight is the whole Bible was written because of Lucifer. Before then, there was no need for it. Think about this. If Adam and Eve were given a nature to pursue God and do what God says to do, then every word, even encouragement, every warning about what God calls sin is because of Lucifer. It's because of what Lucifer had done. Mm -hmm. This is why God hates some things and he loves other things because he had to deal with it in real time himself. Yep. All right, so let's go back to Ezekiel 28. But I just wanted to bring up that point. Yeah, Carlin. I just never, like, I don't know, this just came into my mind this way, but just thinking about how, yeah, like our body is it's the temple of god right mm -hmm. and it's just so interesting that it stresses to stay pure you know and away from iniquity mm -hmm. because that what comes out of us when we're doing that that's what really defiles us mm -hmm. i just like picture him just like scrubbing just like again like come mm -hmm. on just trying to keep us clean that's right because iniquity is the is the last thing to come out of you transgression like if you know then you oh okay but see, iniquity is that kind of thing that just tries to perk up every now and then. It's in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And that's why the devil tried to, he didn't try and tempt God until God came in the flesh. Then he said, okay, now I've got something to play with because I know that the flesh itself is not of God. And that's why the Bible says no flesh will glory in his presence. Now, there is speculation that when Adam and Eve 
were there. He made them bodies, but it didn't necessarily say their bodies were flesh, you know, that they were light beings or whatever. This is what I hear. I don't know. But when you consider who Lucifer is and then you look at, you know, what God made, it is very possible that they were like that. People believe, and I'm saying people because I'm not putting a lot of stock in this, but when they sinned, that Holy Ghost light went out. And from there, they were able to recognize, not only am I naked, but I'm filthy. It's time to hide from the presence of the Lord. They were no longer compatible with him. So, you know, is that true? I don't know. But the thing is, is that it is um, funny how this guy was one way and he got kicked out for profaning the temple of God. So how many sins does it take to get kicked out of heaven? One. How many sins did it take Adam and Eve to get kicked out of the garden? One, you know, so God has to be compatible with that which is like him. And that's why we have this grace period to get it right. Mm -hmm. Well, just one note on that, though, um, because it does say that they were made from the dust of the earth. So right. they couldn't have been made like Lucifer because he was already in heaven. I didn't say they were made in gold or anything, but I'm oh. saying that anything that has God in it right. is going to have that light. Right. That's right. what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, okay. I don't mean like in terms of the body, but, okay, gotcha. you know, thank God for the flesh because without it, we'd be dead and on our way to hell. That flesh is almost like God's mercy that, you know, because if we were just straight spirit beings, mm -hmm. he would have had to damn us without mercy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, thank God that he knew what was going to go down and that he encapsulated us in what he did. Exactly. Giving us a chance to get that light back. All right. So it says in verse 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. So let's understand this. What, what part of Lucifer hit him that made him fall? His heart was lifted up. Mm -hmm. So he was full of pride. He liked who he was. And, you know, he felt like he should have been that much more. It is so important that we stay humble mm -hmm. with Christ, no matter where we are, no matter what we experience, no matter what we do. Because if we don't keep ourselves grounded with Christ, then the devil has an inroad to work through. Right. Man, your fight, the fight that we've got with, with this guy is because this guy did it first. He knew what it got. He knew what it took to get kicked out. And this is what he's trying to encourage you and I to do. And see, that's why you can't come off talking bold to him about heaven and this and that. This guy's been there, done that. This guy's there. He was right there where we're going to eventually be. This guy already was. Mm -hmm. And that makes him an adversary that we have to deal with. That's right. And that's why we better walk with the Lord and learn as we go. Amen. So by reason of his brightness. Now, this can be said, this can say a lot. Because his brightness can also be, you know, yes, he did shine, but it also could have been his self-righteousness. You see, look at how good of a Christian I am. Look at what I'm not doing. Well, at least I'm not like this person. You know, I'm actually better. And you see, Jesus condemned people for that very thing. Not that we shouldn't be glad that the Lord found us and cleaned us up, but we must stay humble so that the enemy can't find a way in. Yeah. I was thinking maybe uh, his intelligence... Well, you ain't going to say brightness, but it already said wisdom. Right. So that's why I don't think that it was really comparing those two. Okay. I thought about that, though. So it says, I will cast thee to the ground, 
I will lay thee before kings, and they may behold thee. Um, so, one more point we got to make. Let's go to um, hold where you are, and we're going to go to Matthew 23, and we're going to come right back. I just want to make these points before we really get in. But Matthew 23. All right. Okay, now I'm sitting here looking for it. Um, this just came to, all right, it's verse 12. Look at what Jesus said. Look at verse 11. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So you see, the gospel came right out of who Lucifer was and what he did. But notice when he says that he that is um, greatest among you shall be your servant. The Bible called Lucifer a covering cherub. So he was a servant. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about what this guy did. He was servicing what God was. When God put someone in government, they are to tend to everyone else. Right. So he had a high position, not because of him being great. It's because he served. But you see, when he began to see himself as great, that's when he was on his way down. So when we humble ourselves, you know, God will exalt us. But if we raise ourselves up, God's going to push you down. Mm -hmm. So I'll read verse 18 again, or 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that thou may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. That word for traffic is like selling yourself. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. Oh man, it shall devour thee and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All, that, all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. So when you want to talk about a terror, if you look up that word in the Hebrew, that word for terror means like a, a disgusting, debased thing. Like he might have been beautiful and lifted up, but Satan doesn't want to show anybody his face now. If you saw the real face of Lucifer, I mean, you, oh man. Like, that's what you turned into? He probably wouldn't even be worth looking at. Mm -hmm. So when God's life leaves a situation, it doesn't matter where you begin. I mean, and there's just so many scriptures that come right out of Ezekiel 28. Think about it. Many are called, but few are chosen. You remember he talked about those who would be first, the first will be last, and the last will be first. How this guy had it all made in the shade. But he lost it because of his pride, mm -hmm. because of who he saw himself as being. More importantly, because he took God for granted. He thought that he was so in that there was no way that he could have been out. Now, Derek Prince takes a different turn on it. Well, not exactly, but there's some things Derek Prince believes that I believe, that he believes that Lucifer wanted to be closer to God the Father. 
but there was one thing in the way, and that was Jesus Christ. So he believes, and I kind of agree with this, that Jesus is the whole story. Jesus is the beginning of all the rebellion that went on. There was jealousy. There was, you know, anger towards him. And this is why when he came down, the devil still had something against him. Mm -hmm. But God the Father in Hebrews 1 talks about that, man, you know, when have I ever called any angel my son? So he put Jesus Christ in a special place that Lucifer could never get to. Jesus was heir to the throne, but Lucifer wanted to be. How do I know this? Let's go to Isaiah 14. That almost makes it sound like they're brothers now. But they're not. <laughs> Jesus created Lucifer. <laughs> Jesus created all things. Isaiah 14. Uh, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, and we'll start at verse 12. Now, some people would say they're talking about the king of Babylon. Now, if you want to be somebody that is carnally minded, because this is what they teach you in seminary, that this is the king of Babylon that we're about to discuss, which is which is garbage, okay? I mean, like, there might have been a king of Babylon that they were talking about, but we also talked about a prince of Tyrus before we identified who's really in charge here. So this is um, Isaiah 14 and 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Okay, so the word for Lucifer here, this is the only way that we know that this was his name. What does Lucifer mean? Bearer of light or son of the morning or light bearer. Now, Lucifer, if you look at it in the Hebrew, the word means Hallel. And the word for Hallel is where we get the word Hallelujah, which means praise. So there is no doubt here that this guy was a praise and worship leader for the kingdom of God. And that's why he had the musical instrumentation placed into him. Though so it says... For thou hast said in thine heart. So now we're looking at this guy's wicked black heart. And it says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So before we get too far ahead, we're going to explain this. He will ascend into heaven because he was already kicked out. So this is the promise that he had always made that he would get back into heaven whether God liked it or not. He was going to fight his way in. He said he will exalt his throne, like his government, his kingdom, above the stars of God. So what are the stars of God? We know for a fact that they are no doubt angels. They are the host of heaven. So he's saying that he's going to place his throne above the throne that God had. Then he well, has. And then he says, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Now, you remember he was kicked out of the holy mountain of God. Basically, what Lucifer is telling us is as far north as you can go is where the kingdom of God is, is where the um, and when it means north, it doesn't mean like north on earth. It means northward, like upward. So as high as you can go in this world or, you know, as far north as you can go. There is the kingdom of God. So he's going to put his, he's going to sit uh, upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. 
Then he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So at least he was smart enough to know that he couldn't be better than the Most High, but he wasn't smart enough to know that, that he couldn't be like the Most High once he fell away. But you see, these are the promises that most religions are made of, the New Age. I mean, even when you hear a lot of stuff of this in Christian churches, they're pretty much telling you the same thing when they start telling you things about you, you know, because the Lord is going to make your life happy and you are going to be whole and you are never going to have any trouble. And the joy of God is always going to live in you. And what you need to worry about is you. This is the same doctrine being preached today. I love what Derek Prince said in that video. He said that our job is to give ourselves over to Christ, that we may become expendable for God, that he can use us at his leisure however he will. And what did he say? If he wanted to reach someone in a concentration camp, he's got a right to put you there, whether it's three days, three years, or 30 years. If, if God intends for his work to be there, he said that's where it should be. And then Derek Prince said, I wouldn't encourage anyone to come to Jesus Christ if they were not ready for that level of Christianity. Amen. Now, see, when you have that, that'll check your heart. Mm -hmm. Are you in it for you or are you in it for Jesus? Because, man, 30 years in a concentration camp, you've got to be unconscious of the world to do the will of God. Right. So God should be able to use us at his leisure, not for us. Now, I know that, of course, we love the Lord and we're, um, of course, we're doing the will of the Lord, too, because we want to make it into the kingdom. But even that can't be the central focus. The central focus is Christ in you, giving Jesus a chance to live in you here that he might reach others. That is the good news. That is the perfect gospel. Think about it. And that is total selflessness that you disappear, that Christ lives in you, and Christ will do the work. Because you know what you and I will do? This person I'll speak to, that one I won't. Mm -hmm. Well, I would have talked to him if my bus wasn't coming. Or if I didn't have to hurry up and get to a meeting. See, that's you being a Christian. But when Christ is in you, I'm talking to everybody here. And matter, matter of fact, I don't even have a job to hold. This is my job. This is what I do because I'm set free from everything that's here. Yeah. We really do have to be like the disciples and to walk after Jesus because it's like people want to put how the disciples look, live on a pedestal. But if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we'll be exactly as they Because are. what are we? What is a disciple? Disciplined. Yes. You're disciplined after some type of art or whatever it is that we're, that we're going into. Whether it's education, it's a skill you pick up at work, whatever it is, you are disciplined after it. So you intend to follow that which you are learning from. Mm -hmm. But the thing is here is I'm bringing this up because you see, Lucifer, I believe, thought this way. I believe that what we want in this world, see, Lucifer wanted something too. He wanted something too that was against God. His idea didn't really, you know, he wanted to be something more. He didn't want to be governed by the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. He had his own ambitions. This is something that we need to think about. He had a plan. Now, see, we might be saying that, no, we got to stay with the Lord and do what Jesus Christ says. But, you know, I do have to do blah, blah, blah to make it through life in many ways. And I'm saying I do understand where we're coming from because we're growing in grace. But in many ways, we are no different than Lucifer. Mm -hmm. 
Lucifer had a plan outside of God. And in many cases, we have a plan outside of God. Yep. Instead of letting the Lord dictate our lives and get us to do what he wants us to do on the daily basis, there is something that we do for us. Mm -hmm. Not even hearing his instruction, but it's something that we think that we need to do. Now, can this be done overnight? No. Am I trying to hurt people? Absolutely not. But I want us to understand Lucifer because when Jesus says that the gate is narrow and the way is narrow, think about it. There are lots of Christians that live their daily lives and go to church and do whatever, but then they're back in their lives. So that can't be the narrow way. How can that be the narrow way and they're living just like the world? Mm -hmm. I believe the narrow way is after Christ. And how do I know this? You go to the, the, to the Gospels. What did Jesus do? He saw Peter. He said, hey, drop those nets. I'll make you fishers of men. They pursued him. He saw another guy, John, with his family, you know, hanging out with his dad. And what did he say to them? He said, come and follow me. They didn't even ask where. They jumped up and left dad. They didn't even say, bye, dad. So it's so funny when you go to Luke 9 and all these people are saying, let me bury my father. Right. Let me do this. Let me do that. Do you know something? The disciples never did that. Yep. When the Lord called, they came. And because of that, remember when Jesus said, a rich man will hardly enter into heaven. And Simon Peter said, well, Lord, we have forsaken all for you. Like, so why would we be locked up? And he said, no, you guys are going to be with me in the regeneration process. And when you are done, this is Matthew 19. He said, you will be, you will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So they had a special place with the Lord. Now, I'm not going to say that Peter worked as hard as Paul. Peter had a different work. Paul labored harder than them all. But what I'm saying is we need to let Jesus dictate our lives or we are no different than Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Believe me, Lucifer thought he had a good idea. And see, Lucifer was probably telling the angels too, well, yeah, yeah, you can serve God, but, you know, I mean, you, I mean you're an angel too. You got power. You can go and do things. I mean, he knows that we're sons of God. What is there to worry about? But this is what I'm just trying to say. Lucifer had a plan outside of God. Mm -hmm. Now, God calls a thing what it is right there on the spot. He called it iniquity. He said that was filled, violence has filled the midst of you. Now, we can say, well, whoa, whoa, that's not me. I'm not violent. Okay. So then why do you, why do we? Walk by people that need Jesus, and we don't even know if they're going to make it to the next day. You think that's loving your brother? Let's be realistic about this, and I'm not trying to be hard on anybody tonight, but let's be real about one thing. If we can preach to some and not to others, how do you love your brother? That's right. That's something to think about, and that's something for me to think about, because you know what? I'm guilty of the same thing. So, you know, the Lord said there was violence in the midst of Lucifer because Lucifer was worried about Lucifer. But see, there is violence in the midst of us when we can see someone starving and not even throw them a cracker. We can see someone in despair and not even talk to them about Jesus or pray for them. There is violence in the midst of some things. Iniquity is all it takes to get kicked out. I'm not trying to be hard on anybody. I'm making a point. Lucifer thought he was doing a good thing too. But Lucifer, you know, forgot that God was his God. I'm not saying that we've forgotten that, but what I'm saying is 
We're not being led of the spirit every day. There are things that we are doing outside of the spirit. Now, I'm not saying this to really dump on us. I'm trying to get a better understanding of Lucifer so we may understand ourselves better. Yep. Because you know something? Most people think that Lucifer is a good guy today. Don't you know there are whole religions built around Lucifer that he's a good guy? Don't you know that Lucifer preaches to most people behind the pulpit today and they can't tell the truth whether it's the gospel or not? They got a TV show named that. You know how I many, you know that Lucifer entertains people every Sunday and they sit there and say, hey man, hallelujah. But you recognize that you ain't getting any meat or milk of the word. You realize the sermons are getting shorter because they're run by Lucifer. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. If Lucifer walked in here now without the discernment of the spirit, we would all like it. Man, we would be, man, I hope he comes back. Man, I was a real man. How he came in here and he made everybody feel good. I mean, he preached a beautiful sermon for everyone. And you know what? He was uplifting. But you know what? If I'm about Christ, he doesn't have to uplift me. Jesus Christ is all that matters. See, when we get in that mindset, the devil can't do anything with you because he tried to do the same thing to Jesus. We so, used to like him. Huh? so we all used to like him. Oh, yeah. He was our best friend yep. until we found Jesus. <laughs> and we were all marked on his list. <laughs> That is exactly right. I'm glad Carlin brought that up That's because true. if you understand Lucifer, you understand that, you know, look at what he made this world. You know, the world that you can't give up. This is Lucifer's. Mm -hmm. Lucifer wants you to be a better person for yourself. Think about it. Why we probably even get why Christina's got that long, beautiful hair and Sarah works where she works and everything. We all picked up these styles possibly from Lucifer. Because what did the angels do in the book of Enoch? Said that they came down and they taught women how to beautify their eyelids and how to do all these things, yep. all these trends. And I'm not picking on you at all. I'm just making a point that even Carlin's footwear, okay, or whatever, even, oh, my watch, okay, everything made by Lucifer. This is his it. world, but look, we like his taste. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Think about it. But yeah. Like, uh, and I'm not saying... You shouldn't use a mirror to like do your hair and stuff. But if you think about it, most of the time when people get ready, what what do they do? They check themselves out. They want to see how they look. You know, they want to see does my style compared to their style, and that's all selfishness. And another point is is that you know one of the arguments that atheists use is how could God create such a world so evil like this? He didn't. Lucifer did. Exactly. But you see, even though we know this world is evil. Look at how Lucifer once got 100% of us, and now he's still getting some of us. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, this guy's no fool. That's all I'm right. saying. So he says in verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to, the, to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake, shake kingdoms? Uh, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners. So this is a mouthful right here because it said this is the man that caused the earth to tremble. Now remember, we were not given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. If we have fear, if we've got hesitation, it's because there is a part of Lucifer that is dictating what you do. He may not be in you, but he's got some influence still over you. Other than that, we would give it all to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then it talks about he caused the, and he shaked the kingdoms. 
Then it says that made the whole world as a wilderness. What does he mean? Because we're definitely not in a wilderness. We've got cities everywhere. We've got all this stuff. But what did the children of Israel do in the wilderness? Complained, murmured, turned back. And became idolaters. Mm -hmm. There was where those who were not strong lost their faith. In that wilderness, it was almost impossible for them to believe God. What is he doing now? Making it almost impossible for you to believe God. The Lord may tell us, follow me, and we'll say, Lord, I got to work in the morning. Now, you know, hey, these words are cutting my guts out, but you know something? Whatever the Spirit wanted to get out, it's out. And, you know, I can either swallow it and accept it, or I can reject it and believe that that is not the truth. Mm -hmm. But you see, this is the power that the enemy still has in the world. We are slowly joining the army of Jesus Christ, but currently we are part-time working for the enemy. Because even if you just were somebody that delivered barrels in a, in a factory, you're still doing the devil's will because you're helping to load those things up to get shipments where they need to be. So you're doing what? Financing his kingdom. I mean, this is just something to think about. That's all I'm saying. Yep. I'm not trying to make it hard on everybody, but then it says, and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. So, you know, the devil is holding people prisoner. All the kings of the nations, even all of them lie in glory, every one in his own house. But thou art cast out uh, of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet. So what we're talking about here is what the devil is able to do to people. Not only is he going in the pit at the end of time for his rebellion, but he's also trying to pull you and I with him. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to paint a thing of, man, now we just sound like we're lost. I'm just making it clear what the devil is doing to us. And as long as he has some control over us, we can't fully serve the Lord the way that we should. And I mean, that's just a fact. No, it's true. That is just a fact. Let's go to Luke. I got a question. So it's like, I mean, yeah. should we all quit our jobs and just like follow Jesus? I mean, yes, yes, we should. But it's like, is it really, is this what Jesus wants? Like, you know, obviously quit your job and do nothing, but talk to everybody else. I mean, it's, you know, we talked about Boaz and, and Ruth last time. And it's like, yeah, Boaz was there. He obviously, he was blessed by God. And then he became a blessing to others because he did have all this land for where people could work and some from glean. And then because of her good heart, you know, he saw that. So he, he you know, he married her. But, you know, I mean, it's like there's people that are blessings to others because they are rich or okay. they have things. But it's like. It's really, how do you say, okay, well, Boaz obviously follows Satan because he had all these things. <laughs> all right, hold where you are. No, I, I, I'm going to let the like, Bible answer the Bible. This is good. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And we'll start at verse 15. You know, I've tried to look this thing over many times. And I've tried to find other loopholes around it. But then I look at those that were closest to Jesus that he used, especially when the spirit fell on him. There's no spirit that fell on Boaz. 
Boaz was not Christ. Boaz didn't even have the chance to be like Christ. He gave examples of being like Jesus Christ, but he didn't have the spirit, you know? And that's why they'll always say, Jesus came, now a greater than Solomon is here. Now a greater than this is here. Now the greater than that one is here because Christ is greater than them all. All right, so let's start at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what do you guys think that means? Over in 1 John? Yeah, 1 John 2. 2 and what? 2 and 15. It says, love not the world. Now we can say, okay, I don't love the world. I love what God tells me to do, you know, whatever. But, but it says, the neither the things that are in the world. world. It's like if, if God wanted us to be born to be born in heaven, we're born in heaven, but we're, we're born in this world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, you don't have to love it, but you, you have to live it. All right, so <laughs> let's just read this, and then we'll go right into John 17. I don't mind taking a detour, but it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, so if we look at the lust of the flesh, what do you guys think the lust of the flesh is? Do you think that we work where we work and we do what we do for others, or do we do it for us? We do it for us. We make that money for us. I mean, we can witness while we were there, but that paycheck goes in our pocket. Not only that, it does finance Satan's kingdom, because if you think about it, what advancement do you have in, in working that nine to five or that nine to whatever job? What advancement? This is all a matrix. Mm-hmm. So you're advancing Satan's matrix. That's all it does by working. Right. I mean, this is good that Martin is bringing this forth because we need to be able to have some understanding yeah, of this, study, you know, and break this down. We talk about talents. It's like there's a reason why God used talents, which is money, which is mm-hmm. usury, which is all this stuff. It's like because that's what we understand. But those talents weren't money. Well, it has to be because he said he wants you to stick it for for the carnal mind. It is. I'm not carnal minded. But you have to explain Neither the carnal mind to, to become a spirit minded person. So it's like the you, Bible you, says that the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. But we all start carnal before we can get to spiritual, before we get saved, if we don't start. Right, we get, so we get to milk, we go to, you know, some mush, then we go to meat. It's like, yes, we got to grow through this. We, 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 we are carnal, we go to our spiritual. Okay, okay, so aside sometime. from what we feel, I'm, I'm what do you guys think? Because like, we have all these Bible studies, and I feel like a lot of the things that you say, it's, it's important, it's very good, it's biblical, but some of it has to do with maybe with your feelings. Because it's like... Well, I don't have any feelings towards this. I didn't quote one thing yet. I'm quoting what the Word of God says, yeah, not what I'm saying. Okay. I didn't write this. That's fine. But look at verse 16. So it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. So how do you explain to somebody, okay, Sarah, quit your job. Let's go follow Jesus. It's like, is that really feasible? I mean, like, how do we do this? How do we go to people and say, everybody in this apartment, quit what you're doing, we grow we're, in we're, grace. We're, have a Bible study we're growing in grace because, you know, when I first started, no, no, this is fine. But when I first started with the Lord, you know, I never thought about losing my job. Now I go there, I go there, but this is what I'm saying. You did not lose your job. I go and preach, I go and preach at work and I don't care if I get fired. That is what I'm doing there. 
But don't put it that way. It's like, don't, don't, don't go to work thinking that I'm going to preach just so I can get fired. Just yeah. be, be a Why blessing not? to Well, others. I'm not trying to get fired, but if it should happen, I'm not going to stop doing the will of the Lord. That's my that's, point. That's true. But it's like, you, okay. You, I think you put too much, you were too hard on yourself. No, I'm not. The Bible says that it is it is sufficient that well, we you, be as our Lord. You're, you're a blessing to others. It's like, but I'm trying to, to think like we got to be careful what message we put out to the people that are currently minded. Like, listen, say, I'm not quitting my job. Screw this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to another. Okay, church. so here's what I'm asking you all. Did I write this? No. And I don't care if people go to another church. I'm just preaching the truth. You, you didn't write that. It's in the Bible, but it's like. All right, so I'm just. Can we just stick with the word though? I mean, my question is, is that if the if God called the disciples off of their job, then how much more clarification do we need? There's only twelve of them. No, there wasn't. There was actually. He more didn't than say to everybody. Exactly. They began with twelve, but the point is, is the lust of the so, flesh. So they're just saying that the, the kings and Boaz and Solomon, all these people, because they're rich, they're they're damned. That was the Old Testament, hell. man. How much? Yeah, they, they so how much money somewhere. did Jesus have? Nothing. How much money did the disciples have? I don't know. Well, Peter said at the gate called Beautiful, he said, I have no gold or silver to give you. But he blessed them with the Holy Ghost and the guy's limb grew out. What so about what, the pastors out there today like Henry Gruber and such other men that actually quit their job? Henry Gruber's still alive today. He's not dead. He's he not even working. He's not even working. He, he hasn't been working for like 40 years. So how can we say it's impossible if even he's done it, if even Christ did it, if his disciples did it. I'm not telling anybody to quit their job tomorrow. The point I'm making is we're growing in grace. Right. Because they're going to come a point, the more love that you have for Christ, the less love you'll have for the world. Well, and the more you will be driven to serve him over time. If you are, then you got to quit it tomorrow. We, we can't wait another week to go work at a job that doesn't mean anything. It's like, I quit my it job. It doesn't mean reason. anything. That's what Solomon said. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Solomon said that in the Old Testament. You know what vanity is? It's like a breath. It's like beating against the wind. It's like all for nothing. That's what he was talking about. And he made 12 chapters on what was a waste of our time. I think for me, it's like once I am just, you know, my heart is completely gone and it's completely Jesus, like, I just feel when I'm in the world, I'm just there because I'm meeting wherever I am. I am the Lord's. I am his servant. My conduct. You said we are the light of the world. That's right. My conduct, what I am doing is strictly for Jesus. Yes, I'm there and I get paid because I'm there giving my time or whatever. But my job first is always the Lord. You know, and if Amen. I have to be. As well, not according to serpent, John 1, John 2. As a lamb, you know. <laughs> but at Sorry. the same time, still just staying true to the Father, you know. And then if repercussions come, then they come. But then whatever happens after that, I still have to be led by the Spirit until I'm like on Peter or Paul's level or something like Amen. that. Amen. You know? And that's that's what he's all that's all he's. That's all I'm talking about. We didn't even get to finish this because our feelings got in the way. I was just saying, what does this mean to everybody? That's all I'm asking. I'm not even mad here. I'm just making a point. You see, because Jesus said it is sufficient that we be as our master, not greater than him. 
But see, when Jesus got the spirit, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. And what did the devil come at Jesus with? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He said, if you be the son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. So he tried to get Jesus to want to be focused on him and not with finishing the 40 days fasting that he may gain the spirit and stay with the father. Okay, so Jesus denied himself and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a temple and said, if you be the son of God, you know, um, throw yourself down. And like the Bible says, the angels will catch you, you know, whatever, let you dash your foot upon a stone. What did Jesus say to him? He says, um, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Like in other words, don't try and, you know, because I know who I am, I'm going to get beside myself. So the devil was coming at him in the pride of life. And see, this is what I'm, I'm trying to make the point concerning Lucifer that we've got to understand is that Lucifer will make you feel proud. Now, I admit, and I'll tell you straight out, that I believe that eventually we are to leave this completely and pursue the Lord. Like they left Egypt into the wilderness, into the promised land. Because you see, the devil is getting ready to cut this from us anyways. Mm -hmm. So when he does that then, and your mind is not even focused to rely on Jesus Christ first, what are you going to do? Accept the mark of the beast? What are you going to do? This is something to think about because it's not going to be once it's taken from me that I'm going to start to think like, all right, now I'm going to um, pursue the Lord and see what's what. You got to already be in that mindset. And that's why Jesus says he didn't um, he didn't pray for the world in John 17. He said he um, he called for his people to be in the world, but he prayed that they come out of it, out of the culture, out of the way that the world is and to think as he thought. That's what they were trying to tell us, but we didn't even get to go there. The last time, what did the devil offer Jesus? The lust of the eyes. Mm -hmm. What did he say? All these kingdoms of mine, and you can have them if you will just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written that um, I serve the, um, the Father or, or the Lord, the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So you think about it. He was only serving his Father only doing what the father told him to do. If Jesus thought like you and I, we would all be damned to hell. And that is a fact. The disciples, when they were, they were doing what they were doing. Jesus went with them for three and a half years. He walked with them and that was their wilderness experience, being with Christ, watching his miracles, watching him preach the gospel. But when they got into the promised land was Acts the second chapter. Matthew could not have gone back to being a tax collector. Peter could not have gone back to his days of fishing. They were up in that building. They were broken and they were waiting for the spirit of God because Jesus says, tarry until thou be endowed with power. So it is important that we tarry until we be endowed with power. Can we do this in our own strength? No. Absolutely not. This is Jesus Christ. But my question is, since Martin asked me a question, I'm going to ask everyone a question. If Christ be in you, would he do what you do? No. If he is totally formed in you, why would he be Christ in them back in the, back in the New Testament at the beginning doing what he does? And then Christ in us is doing what we do. 
Think about it. So this is what I'm telling people. I'm not trying to discourage anyone or tell people to quit. We tarry until we be endowed with power. Paul says, I labor with you in birth again till Christ be formed in you. So what are we doing? Growing Christ, birthing Christ every day, getting stronger with the Lord every day, seeking a relationship with him. But when Christ is fully formed in us, he's not going to be doing what we're doing. I'm telling you that. You're not even, this is not even going to be subject to discussion. You're going to be out doing the will of the Lord and let the chips fall where they may. But, you know, if we want to prove this point, Lucifer can wait. I don't care. There's, there's, there's things that need to be understood right here, right now. I'm not trying to stop anybody from doing anything. The point I'm telling you is, if Jesus was totally obedient to the Father, Jesus says, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. He says, a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Let's go to um, Luke 9 real quick. I'm not even upset, guys. This is just all about having some understanding. I agree. He's also going to come a time, because it's already in the works, and in some places they already have it. I think in Georgia or Kentucky where they're putting chips in people where it's going to be mandatory, you have a chip in your hand to work. So when it comes here, I mean, it's like, what are we going to do then? Take the chip? John said it in um, John 2, and he says, the whole world lieth in wickedness. Yeah. The whole world lieth in wickedness. This is the kingdom of Satan, and slowly but surely, we're being unplugged to do the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the first fruits of his kind, meaning that others would follow. All right, Luke 9. Let's start at verse 55, and it says, But he turned and rebuked them, because they were asking if fire should fall down on heaven from those people, like Elijah did, because they wouldn't accept Jesus. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went unto another village, and it came to pass, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds have air, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man have not, have not where to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a home. And you know something, and I'm glad the Lord gave me this just yesterday when I was on my way headed to work. In order for Jesus to speak for the homeless and the oppressed and the widows, he had to walk in this flesh, denied, so he could understand who would be in need. Mm -hmm. Verse 55, because if he came here living in all the luxury of the world, then why would he even tell you to care for them? You know, verse 59, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, um, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And that just sounds simple, doesn't it? This isn't Peter or any of these guys. This is somebody else. And Jesus said, 
No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying this. This is what Jesus Christ is saying. I'm not saying this. Let's go to Matthew 19. But somebody had to have a job, obviously. There's a reason why Jesus was given gifts when he was born. But those three men that came over, they had frankincense, they had all these things. That The lady that, you know, dumped all her oils onto Jesus, you know, obviously... There's a way she got that. It's like there's a there's a reason why these people had homes. There's a reason why I mean it has to. Do I didn't somebody, say there's anything wrong with a home. Had to have money for some reason. Obviously. Here's they here's the question I'm asking everyone here seriously: Why must we believe in order to be sustained that we have to work and God couldn't provide our needs? Well, that's all I'm saying. In some way, for me, I feel like that's sometimes how it is. You know, like depending on where you're called absolutely even when you like i think about it too like our housing like it's not really ours you know like we none we of this stuff belongs to us money. No. so i think about those people that really like strive to like i need to be the ceo of this so i can own all this you know but like really us like still lowly and like middle class i guess like or what's even really middle class anymore but just kind of being you know just there you know it's not like i love even me like thinking about purchasing a house it's like i mean it'll be nice to have but it's not like where i put all my faith it's still in jesus but no absolutely but here's what i'm saying if he did tell you to leave and sell everything you have and go somewhere to preach the gospel would you go or would you even believe that that came from the lord because he wouldn't want you to lose what you had that's all i'm saying Henry Grooving worked, I don't know in how long, but his, his needs are taken care of. His kids are taken care of. Henry told the story of even one night when his family didn't have anything and they were about to be kicked out. He said his son came in his room with a handful of money saying, Daddy, the bird man said to give you this. Now, see, are we going to call Henry Groover a liar? Or you don't think Jesus Christ can bless that way? This is all I'm saying. Why must we believe if the Bible says that everyone will not be able to buy or sell unless they receive a mark, then who do you think is going to take care of us in those times? Mm -hmm. I'm not telling anybody to quit or do whatever. I said be led of the Spirit in what we do. But one thing is for sure is that the whole world lies in the wicked one. So what does God want us to do? To trust in Him. Mm -hmm. When they were in the wilderness, when He fed them with the fish, they didn't have anything. He took them into a barren land that they may know that he is God. That's all I'm bringing up. Right, because they came out seeking for carnal bread, and he said, I am the bread of life. Eat of my, eat of my flesh. And they couldn't comprehend what he was saying, because why? They wanted their bellies to be filled and not their spirits. Because you know something? I'm believing this. I may not have the total faith yet, but I know what I'm working on. And I realize that I'm starting out to want everything from this world every day. Mm -hmm. And you know what's happening to me is I'm looking forward to doing more of the Lord's will until the, I'm totally overcome by the spirit mm -hmm. that I may follow the Lord. Right. That is what I want out of my life. I don't want anything but Jesus. That's, right. That's my point. Yeah, I may be working in now, but where will I be tomorrow? That all depends on God. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. 
But if we've got a heart to say, well, Lord, no, I need to be here and I got to work and I got to do this. And you're disobeying the Lord. Look at, look at verse uh, 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may um, have eternal life? He said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou will be... Um, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, so we all know about this, and this is where we would consider ourselves. And the young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth, what lack I yet? Now, remember, he called Jesus good master. Jesus said, why are you calling me good? Like, in other words, not that Jesus wasn't good. We know he is. But who are you to say what is good and you don't even love me? That's the point that he was making. How can I prove that? Look at verse 20. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth. Well, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect... Go and sell everything thou hast. So that's perfect. That's Lucifer. That's a Christian. That is Christ formed in you. If you will be perfect, go and sell what thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So you see, Jesus says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this is why we can be halfway in and halfway out. And, and I'm not saying that we're just going to overall just do this, but I'm saying, you know, with each time or each, as we draw closer to the Lord, at one point, it might be 80, 20, 80 world, 20 Jesus. You know, five years from now, it may be 60 world, 40 Jesus. Another five years from now, it may be 70 Jesus, 30 world. Okay, and then you get to the point of 100% Jesus um, in this world, but not of this world. So this is about Christ being formed in us. I'm not preaching messages of hate and despair and defeat. The point I'm making is what I was saying tonight, Lucifer had an agenda too. Lucifer wanted to be something outside of God. And God got rid of Lucifer because he profaned the temple. To be profane in this world is to love the world. It's to store up treasures for yourselves and not in heaven. Now think about it. You have told me several times you've been distracted. You said there are times work you had to quit your job so you can get your head back. Carmen said that, that school does that to him. Christina's holding on three jobs. Sometimes you come home, you want the spirit to fall. And you said you feel like you're battling. We've all been there. You know, me doing what I'm doing and doing this. There are times the Lord even wants me to pull away from this and go back out in the streets. Sometimes I'm up at 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. Knowing I got work the next day, just sitting out there waiting on the devil. Waiting for somebody to preach to or to talk to. I'm not saying that to glow. The point I'm making is that there are times that the Lord tells me what to do. And sometimes I obey. And sometimes I don't. But I know if we were in heaven, I would be kicked out. All it takes is one disobedient thing to not obey the Lord. That's, right. That's why this time period is called grace. 
This is grace, not to do what you want to do, but to get to know Christ and have him formed in you. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. Because, you know, once the grace period is over, back to the law, back to what should be and what shouldn't be. So that's all I'm telling everybody is what I'm telling you guys out of love. Not because I'm trying to get you to hate the world or hate people. Or I'm saying, you know what, Martin, you eating too much. You need to be out in the cold freezing because that's what God would want from you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus Christ formed in us is the hope of glory. The Bible says that. That's all I was bringing up. But to answer your question, if you ask me to go, I'm going. Huh? So just to answer your question, if you ask me to go, I'm going. Amen. You know, but that's all I'm saying. But we know that Christ doesn't control every aspect of our lives. How many of us can admit that without getting mad? I mean, really, he doesn't control every aspect of our lives, but eventually he will. Why? Because the Bible says that he that began a good work in you will finish it. Yep. I'm not mad over this. I'm just saying, man, there was a misunderstanding. Let's try and understand and get it right. Because this world will not let you love the Lord like you want. This world will let you love it, and you'll be fighting for your heart. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You know, so he's just pulling that out of us. That's all I'm saying. And part of that's like building too, like making sure you get filled up bef like first and then just making sure you truly are in your armor and you're completely separate, you know? Absolutely. No Let's go to Luke 10 and um, I want to go to 19 or Luke 10 and 17. I was hoping you would read that. I'm not trying to hurt anybody here, man. I love you guys. Like you okay. said before, all of truth is confrontational. And it's confrontational because there's something in us that if we're still attached to this world, it's going to conflict with that truth. It's going to conflict with what the Bible says. But if if this is, I mean, if it's, Jesus Christ loves every one of us and that's why he wants to pull us out of this world because this world, Satan's kingdom, will only spit us, uh, chew us up and spit us out. Look at the people in Hollywood. How many lives, like you were talking about Usher, how many lives have been utterly destroyed? destroyed? Going as far as they can go in this world. Right, exactly. You know how many pastors played that game? That's why you got guys today like T.D. Jakes and Joel. Well, I don't know about Joel Osteen. I know John Osteen was a real preacher. Mm -hmm. But you see, you got a lot of these pastors. They all started with humble means, wanting to serve the Lord. But you know what got to them? Old moolah. You know, and they thought, okay, no, no. I can take the money and still serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And... Anyway, verse 17, in the 70, because Jesus has 70 disciples, returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So these guys were like, yes, Lord, I'm casting out demons. I'm doing all it is. Look at what Jesus said unto them. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you the power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus said in verse 18, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know what Jesus saw in these guys? Pride. He saw them, man, even the devils are subject to us in your name. That's just like me saying, yeah, man, the Lord told me this. And I mean, I knew it was from him and this and that. He said, man, I beheld Satan fall from like lightning from heaven. Because you see, they were starting to get a little into the gifts. 
they were getting a little into the spirit. Even the devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why? Because the same thing that they're doing is the same thing that Lucifer did. He placed himself in front of God and not where he should be. Mm -hmm. Anyway, look at verse 20. 20. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what is it all about? Jesus and knowing him. God doesn't even want you to get a little glory for yourself. He wants Christ in you that a job can be done. That's right. That is really what this whole thing is about. And see, I, I don't mind um, what we talked about tonight because I think those things are important. There were people listening. Let's go to Matthew 13 and 20, 24. And I, you know what? And I'm going to say this too. I curse the spirit of Lucifer in this place. Amen. Because you see, when you come against the devil, you best believe he's going to try and cause discord. Right. You best believe that he's going to try and bring influence in this place. You best believe he's going to take brothers and sisters who love each other and pit them against each other because this is his world. I curse that spirit in the name of Jesus. So Matthew 13 and verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept and uh, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade um, was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So, um, you know, we understand about the parable of the wheat and the tares. The man who sowed the field or who has the field is Jesus Christ. Okay, this is God. And he's saying that while he sowed good seed in his field, that his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And then it says, when the blade sprung up, you know, as the fruit came forth, so the tare also. So his servant of the household that came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then has, um, has it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, um, lest while they gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest and in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, you know, this is also where the enemy himself tried to plot things to hurt the, um, the wheat as they grew. And we got to understand that the reason why this is God's grace that wanted the wheat and the tares to grow together because over time he expected the wheat to be wheat where they could be used and he expected the tares to be tares where they would be separated. But if you were to pull both of them up, you're not giving the tares a chance to become wheat. 
You're not giving the wheat a chance to turn to tares. And that's why he says, you know, many are called, few are chosen. The first will be last. The last will be first. So remember, when nobody wanted to come to the marriage supper that the Lord bid them, what did they say? They all made excuse. Oh, I just married a wife. I just got a house. I just got this. I just got that. The Lord said, forget that. Go to the weak. Go to the main. Go to the lame and invite them in. So let's go to Genesis 3 because we're going to see where this act in, in Matthew 13 came to be. Dealing with old Lucifer. Uh, Genesis 3. All right, Genesis 3 and 1. Now remember, God in, in chapter 2 just made Adam and Eve. He gave them commandment. And the Bible makes clear that they were good. Okay, so this is that field. This is Eden. This is God's garden where this is taking place. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, if we were to bring this into today, thank you, Jesus, for making this point. If we were to bring this into today, and they're talking about what trees that we should eat from, or that tree, and the ones that we shouldn't eat from, this is kind of like a modern day God and his people, and, and in many cases, the world. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, God had said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So we understand here that the serpent said, you won't die. And God knows that in the day you eat it, in the day you indulge, you see Lucifer himself here knew how to get them to fall. All Lucifer did was what he did to the Lord and got kicked out. It was the same thing. He's selling, he's trafficking right here. Mm -hmm. He's selling them the tree of knowledge of good and evil that the Lord is telling them to stay away from. So look at this. And when the woman saw that it was good for food, that's the lust of the eyes, and that it was pleasant to the, oh, no, that was the lust of the flesh, because it was good to eat, to sustain the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that is the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, that is the pride of life. She took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, so Adam was there, and did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew what they were, that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made, apron, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. I got a teaching coming up, talked about they hid themselves amongst the trees of the garden. Because you see, that's what many of us are doing today. 
as the Lord is calling for those who will serve, who will do, who will go and do as he tells them. We are hiding ourselves in the trees, in the world of the garden. Why? Because we're not ready to answer that call. Mm -hmm. We're not ready to step with God one-on-one. You and me, Lord, Christ in me. We're hiding ourselves in our surrounding environment, hoping that the Lord doesn't call our number. Mm -hmm. Man, this is important to understand because you see, this is where he planted the tares among the wheat. Out of Adam and Eve came Cain and Abel. Cain, obviously a tear, yeah. I don't know. I see it differently. I feel like I'm not hoping for the Lord not to call my number. I feel like every day I'm working to get closer to him and know him more in relationship so I can get myself there and I'm asking for more and more and more and doing what he's telling me to do. But he can't give me more than I'm ready for. So what's the problem? I feel like there is... Just what you just said, like we need to be there already. Like there's I never said we need to be there already. And guilt and shame on how we're living our lives when we are having long sufferings in the lives we're living. When we are seeing sin and seeing people we care about and are praying for, you know, do the things that they're not. And that's hard itself. And we're still preaching to them again tonight. We're preaching to people, you know, wherever we go. So then why is that bothering you? I'm not speaking to you. I'm talking about growing in Christ. It appears that's what you're trying to do. I didn't say that we need to be there. I said that we are growing till Christ be formed in us. We are growing in grace. I mentioned that several times tonight. So your relationship with the Lord and what he's doing with you, I'm not speaking against. Okay, I just hear a lot about the result and not a lot about the process on how to get the result. So that's all I'm saying. Well, do you know how to get closer to the Lord? I want more tools on how to get closer. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yearning for. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to describe from the scriptures. Well, we were trying to go there tonight, but we were trying to bring up a couple of other points too. But that was the point that we were going to get to, but we were talking about something else. I was going to bring it, and you know what? Forget the study. This is, this is vanity. But I was going to bring it from who Lucifer was, how he was used by the Lord, going into Psalm 33, talking about the new song, and that we need to be instruments that play the 10 strings, which were the 10 commandments, which is loving the Lord and loving your neighbor, that we would be used as instruments, just like Lucifer, that we will be neither married or given into marriage, but will be as the angels of heaven, thus saith the Lord, that we would get there and be that light that Lucifer failed to be, and, and we would make it. That was the study. But tonight we covered a few other things because there were there were things that we needed to deal with. And I'm not upset with anybody for it. But this never got to be finished because we had something else that we needed to deal with. But see, that was my plan tonight, is that we were going to talk about someone who had it and lost it unto a people that have the potential to be that light for Christ, bearing the light and doing what he tells us to do that we might make it. That was the plan of who Lucifer was tonight. Not to push the devil, not to make everyone hate me because I'm talking about being in Christ, not to tell everybody to hate the world because I enjoy seeing people upset. That was not the goal tonight. The goal tonight was to mention of how where Lucifer was and he fell from, that he became replaced with the bride of Christ that would be that instrument used of the Lord that was the light and salt 
to preserve as we go, that we may be in glory with him. You know, but like I said, this is all vanity. I don't care about the study. The fact of the matter is that was what the spirit wanted to bring forward today. So what I was bringing up is this is what the enemy does. This is what we need to stay clear of. And this is what we need to grow in grace. Does anybody else have any questions or anything they want to add? Yeah. Well, you allow me to be frank. That depends. Check your spirit before you say it. But the thing is, is this, is that we need to be what Jesus Christ called us to be. If it was so easy, Jesus Christ said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We've got to fight our way into the kingdom. I was not speaking to anyone who is building their relationship with the Lord. That doesn't even apply to you. Why? Because you know where you are. You know what you need. You are not forsaking your relationship as Lucifer did. You are doing what you need to do that you might be ready. That is what I was talking about. So, I mean, does that make any sense? Or, I mean, am I causing more confusion here? Because, you see, that was the study. You know, and that's okay. That's okay. You know what? Lucifer came in. We got rid of him. Okay? He's gone now. Now, we can proceed to find out about what we need to. Or maybe it's not time. Maybe it'll just have to be another day. But either way, my goal was to show us that we need to be that light for Christ. And if we've got other things aside from Jesus Christ in our way, then we can't shine like we need to for him. That's why the Bible makes clear that we are instruments of praise, that we are to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, make a melody in our hearts to the Lord. This was all about loving him and knowing him. And what I'm saying is, if what I said is really offensive, I mean, in some ways, we got to chug our hearts. I mean, there's things that we're not ready for yet. Because you see, it's like, in other words, what I mentioned, it was almost as if I spoke and I said, your mom was a something. You see what I'm saying? You see what the enemy is trying to do? It became personal because I'm talking about the enemy of God. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we've got to get beyond. So that way our hearts will be pure and we will not be, as James 1 says, double-minded, that we will be as Christ wants us to. But he says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't think that man will receive anything from the Lord. Well, my whole point was like, how do we become that person? Because it's obviously, we are not. We still have jobs. We still have money. We still need to pay bills. It's, it's, it's we, if we're to do this right now, we'd be living with the guys well, see, the you guys are hearing me work. saying right now, I'm, I've been saying all night, grow in grace, mm -hmm. grow right. in grace, seek the Lord. Do you have a life of prayer? Yeah. How often do you pray? I was up and as you can. To pray that, yeah. <laughs> do you read the word of the Lord? Mm -hmm. How often do you read? I used to read it every day. That's almost every other day, but getting back to it. So, you know, it's really about, and this is why the Lord talks about self-denial. He said that anyone that does not deny himself and take up his cross cannot be my disciple. So what does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to seek him. He wants us to put things like that. Hey, and I'm guilty of this too. He wants us to put things like this aside and give him more time. Because you see, things like TV, things like 
you know, other things. They, they become a distraction. And this is why when we try and hear from the Lord later in the day, after all the corruption we go through, it is hard that you have to break through to get better with the Lord. So in order to, Jesus said, if you, well, the Bible says, um, James says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. What does it take to draw nigh? Get in his word, seek his instruction, pray before him. And I would encourage fasting. I'm not pushing laws. I'm talking about denial of the flesh that the spirit may grow. And that's what's important. But you see, it, it becomes hard. Don't think if you don't deny the flesh that the flesh won't fight you. The flesh will fight you because the flesh doesn't want to die. And that's why the Bible talks about us mortifying our members, crucifying the old man so that the new man can live. But don't think that the new man and the old man are going to live side by side. The old man is going to fight to stay alive. He's got a right to. But we got to crucify this flesh and the lust thereof in order to walk with Jesus Christ. You know, so I'm not trying to bring anything. If you got something to say, you led by the Spirit too, go ahead. But what I'm saying is don't speak in anger because that's what the devil would want right now no, and what i'm saying is i don't dislike anybody i love you all for everything but the point i'm making is hey our journey is the cross and you see you got a lot of people trying to get there without going past the cross they do not want to crucify the flesh just like the children of israel they they wanted to go into the promise but they did not want to go through the wilderness and more importantly they didn't want to go through those giants so these giants or what we must slay. And that's why, you know, I, we could have we could have gone back to John 2, but an important part in John 2 was when he said that unless you overcome the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you've got to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And everything that your flesh desires is usually something that is not of God. It takes a disciplined life after Christ, a pure heart, and loving him and not the world. Because it says if you love anything in this world, the love of the Father is not in you. He didn't just say love not the world. The world, that word is cosmos or the age, the styles, the trends, the way that the world does it. Why would he tell us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven if, if living this earthly life and everything we can have here was so important? Jesus knew exactly what he was saying, man. Where your treasure is there will your heart be. Your heart will be there as much as you won't want it to be. That's why we got a teaching coming up on the mark of the beast, but people got to understand because all you're hearing from people today is, oh, you heard about the mark? Oh, I'm not taking it. You already got the nature of the beast. It ain't just the mark, the name of the beast or the number of his name. That nature, that title, who do you identify yourself with? Man, people are already, you ain't got to take the mark. But you will be unqualified to have the seal of Christ if you've got the number of the beast. That's what's got to be taken from us. I do have something to say. And it's just, it's, it's more of a testimony for what the Lord has done for me. And how he actually had to chastise me about a week and a half ago because I made a financial decision, a bad one without seeking him. And he chastised me because I knew better. Because I'd grown in his relationship, my relationship with him enough that I should have sought him first. But I wanted to so quickly 
it was paying off a credit card and I so quickly wanted to do this that when I did, he let, he let the chips fall where they may. And at the same time when that happened, I had actually started getting back into the world. I, I was not reading my Bible like I should. I was not praying like I should. I was not getting in, in, in right with him like I should. I was watching movies. I was spending more time in the world than I was with the Lord. And that is why it is so important that when we when we have on, we have got to have on that armor all the time. Especially, it says in here, too much is given, much is required. So that means that the, the more responsibility that the Lord gives us, the more He requires from us to whatever He gives us, we're going to give it right back to Him. And it is a growing in grace, you know. It's just simply, when, you know, it just for me it's like, I started fasting more, and I started getting in more with the, the Lord, and nothing said tonight was telling everybody, hop, skip, and jump off your jobs today, you know, but it's also about, honestly, what we want to hear, and if we, if we really want to give everything to the Lord, we're seeking every day, Lord, use me where I'm at, but I know that where I'm at is not the ultimate goal, it's doing the Lord's will, because this world it really only finances Satan's kingdom. That's really all it finances. And I'm telling this to everyone out of love. Truly, everything that I'm saying to everyone tonight is out of love. The love of Jesus Christ that is in me. I don't want to work for Satan's kingdom. I want to work for God's kingdom. But right now, he's, at, he's got me at this job because when I left the last job for standing for him... You know, and that's a high price. When you stand for the Lord, yes. it is a high price. And guess what? I got lazy during that time period that I was, you know, that I had quit. And so, like, going back to this job is actually his grace on me because he could have condemned me to uh, something way worse than just me going back and working. And so it's like, once I understand that now, I'm like, Lord, just take my mind, take every part of me, take out of me, the things of my past take out of me the world so I can serve you and completely fill me. I want to be as Jesus Christ is. I want to be as That's the my disciples desire. are. I want, why, why is it so impossible that we walk as he walked? Why is it so impossible that the life of the disciples is something that we cannot have? Why is that so impossible? I mean, why, I mean, why is it that the healing power of Jesus Christ is outside. We go to the doctor today instead of seeking the healing power of Jesus Christ. We, we do other things outside of seeking he healing of Jesus Christ. Why is it that casting out devils is not preached in church anymore? You know, why is it these things have totally gone away? It only says that when the he that is perfect shall return. Jesus Christ has not come back the second time yet. So these things can still happen. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get upset. I promise you, I'm just excited because it's like... Jesus Christ is calling his people back. We have to listen. All of us, we, we just have to listen. That's my point. Well, you know, and the thing too is, Jesus even said, um, Luke 14, about if you love mother, father, son, or daughter, or whatever. He even said, if you hateth not your mother, father, whatever, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. You know, so what he's talking about is all I'm talking about. When it says that we have to love one another more than we love ourselves, how do we do that outside of obedience to the Lord and total selflessness? How do we do it? We don't. And that's the point I'm making. You go to Philippians 2, it said, Every man should mind his brother, esteeming them higher than himself. 
This is the word of God. I'm not making this stuff up because I, well, Martin, you got an Audi. So I don't have one. So I'm going to tell you, man, get rid of the car. Cars are evil. I didn't say anything like that. Hey, I love the help that Martin and Laura have given us, what the Lord has blessed them with. But the overall goal is this world is going to drop us anyways. This Lord, I mean, the devil is not letting a Christian go on in this system. Mm -hmm. So who are we going to be faithful to? And that's a question we ought to answer now instead of trying to figure out later on. You've already got to have that mindset. And to answer your question, we did lose our job out at Gresham Station for standing for Jesus. That's what brought the whole world on us. We were preaching to everybody that came in and started working there in every store. And you know what? They got sick of it and they reported us. And even though the Lord kept us there for a little while longer, eventually, of course, the new um, owners of the place found out about our history. It was in the paper, you know, so they wanted to get rid of us. But that was for standing for Jesus Christ. Ever since that day, I don't have any more fear of losing a job. I'm not worried about that. If I lose this one, I mean, James will tell you, we preach to people right there. Call people for prayer. Invite them to study. If the, and then our teacher even say, hey, man, whatever you guys believe, you know, I'm not going to speak against you. You can speak about your Lord in here freely. That was a gift from Jesus Christ because we stood for him, not because we were trying to, you know, one-up somebody. So if you stand for the Lord, he'll stand for you. But we got no problems preaching in there and speaking to people about Jesus. I know eventually that's going to be taken away. The devil's not going to tolerate that for much longer. Why? Because that school and everything in it belongs to him. Mm -hmm. So he's going to say, when it's time to go, get out of here. But what I'm saying is, I'm going to stand for Jesus no matter what. Because Lucifer is the light, the light bearer. I'm going to let my light so shine wherever I am. Why? Because Jesus Christ is that important to me. Amen. I care about what he thinks about what I do on the daily basis. That is what's most important. Because when all is said and done, who am I going to be talking to? Not my superintendent, not my principal, not the board of education. I'm going to be looking at the king of kings, and all he's going to ask me is, what did you do for me? You want to know something even more, you know, rough to think about? Each day is not promised to us, and the Bible tells us that. Right. If we were to go today, are we ready to meet the Lord? All I'm saying. Well, he well, that's well. not the way to put it. That's the way it should be. I mean, let me ask you a question. You know, let's say that you know you have this two-bedroom apartment. Roman six, yeah. This two-bedroom apartment with you know you have a job. And obviously, you do put the Lord first. Is there something wrong with that? There's something wrong with what? Exactly. There is There's something wrong with what? I'm asking. Like, right. as, as far as having like, a place to live, so having a job, having a two-bedroom apartment. It's like there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Or, or is it? Are you being worldly because? You have a job and belongs to Satan. You have an apartment that belongs to Satan, too. Well, I remember when I had a two-bedroom apartment, and I wasn't I'm just trying to make a point. I'm making a point, too. For these guys listening, not to just like think that we're crazy because we you know, we, we have jobs and we have apartments and we're not putting the Lord first or something. It's like, you know... I, I the Lord like is supposed to be first. It is. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. There's nothing Before wrong with home. having a job and a two-bedroom apartment. And putting the Lord first, or putting the Lord first. But when did I say there was something wrong with having a job <laughs> in a two-bedroom apartment? Like, man, it's like as, as maybe like, that's how you're receiving it, but that's not what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Maybe okay, that's how okay, you're receiving okay. it. Thank you. 
You clarify that. Let's move on. Was maybe my misunderstanding. No, we can talk about this. No, all it's night. done. I mean, if you, you want, you clarified it. That makes perfect sense to me. I don't have any more questions. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Romans six. See, I feel like when I'm out in there and just like representing the Lord, I'm mm -hmm. literally waiting for just something to just tear in the spirit realm, you know, like the devil to come through mm -hmm. and then, or demons or whatever, and then there you are for the Lord, right, to just do that, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't know, I guess I agree with like a lot that's been said here today. So. Yeah, because I mean, like the Bible says, obviously when he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was whatever, you clothed me. When I didn't have a place to stay, you took me in. I'm not speaking about a place to live. Yeah. I'm not talking about none of that. But I'm saying none of these things can mean anything to you when it comes to doing the Lord's will. Yeah. None of these things can mean anything. The Lord told me, move out tomorrow, I'll move out tomorrow. The Lord says, you know, I want you here, I want you here. But see, what, what fallen man tends to do is get attached to things, you know, and not serve the Lord. That's why if there's anything between you and Christ, man, you know, we got things to take out of. So this is Romans 6 and 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. For shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed." that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that he shall um, live also, I mean that uh, we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death have no more dominion over him. For in, for in that he died, uh, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So in other words, dying to sin and living unto God, one is the will of the world and of the flesh, the other is living unto God that he might do his work in us. So does anyone in here understand what it means to die out to sin and to live unto Christ? Yeah. Or to be crucified with him? Does anybody in here know? Because, you know, this may answer the question as far as growth, you know, that we might be looking for. Does everybody understand what that means? If not, we can go over it. Yeah. Like, I understand what it means, but at the same time, I don't because I know for sure that it's not 100%. That work isn't complete, you know, so I can't really say I 100% know what that means until God does that in me. I understand what he, the purpose is, what he wants we know for us to do by crucifying the flesh. Right. And he says but being... Honestly, I don't, you know? Like, right, I don't right. I no, and that's fair. That, like, right. fully. So, right. just being honest. Right. And he's saying being dead to sin. Now, what is sin? 
sin. Everything that goes against Jesus Christ. Anything. anything. I mean, and sin means to miss the mark. Mm -hmm. That means like, you know, you could be like, you know, being led of the spirit. But if I decide to do whatever and God wants me to do something else, I miss the mark. Okay. I'm not doing it. Even um, Romans 13 goes even farther to say, well, I think it's uh, or 2 Corinthians 13. It talks about that which is not of faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine that which is not of faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that means that we've got to believe him in all things that we do. Mm -hmm. So whatever we have fear in believing what God tells us to do is considered sin. Does that make sense? No. Y'all don't get that? Right, the fearful and the unbelieving. Mm -hmm. You know, and the Bible tells us about these things that we need to have. So that which is not of faith is sin. So what it means is that we've got to believe Jesus Christ in all that we are, in all that we do. Now, will that be an overnight process? As I have said many times on many teachings, no. Okay, this is that we are to grow in grace. But it is important that we understand what things are. And that's why the Holy Ghost will point out things to you. Christina told a story one day, and we laughed at it. She said that you went to go get some ice cream at some place, and you went to try and put more sprinkles or whatever or something on it. And then you said, wait a minute. The Lord said, you know, that's stealing because she went to try and get more, and then she just put it back. But, you know, it's little things like that that the Spirit will even make you sensitive to. Even being late for work, and saying that you were there at a certain time, that's stealing. You're stealing time. You're getting paid for things that you have not done. Now, the point is, is but the point I'm making is, sin can be in so many different places. That's why we need the Lord to pull it out of us that we might be led of him. And now, if you look at those disciples, I mean, why would a disciple like Paul and Peter be telling us this if this is not what we should do? Why would they even waste their time going to the church at Corinth to the Romans, to the Ephesians, mm -hmm. to this one's and that one's. The only reason he didn't say it to you and I is because he died before then, but the words of God endure forever. That's right. But why would he even tell them, die out to self that Christ may live into you, in you? But you see, a 21st century Christian, don't take all of that, man. Relax, okay? Jesus Christ did it all, and you don't need to do anything. And then you wonder why Jesus says that the gate is narrow. I just want to make this point. So then it says in 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, Jesus in us. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it, obey it in the lust thereof. So think about this. Paul is saying, let it not be anywhere in your body. So Paul knows that this can be done. Now, I mean, what are we going to argue with Paul? We're going to tell Paul, Paul, what are you talking about? Let not sin reign in your mortal body. I'm not living like I used to live. That's it. He's speaking as if he's letting us know, man, this can be done. But see, the devil will tell you that's impossible. You were born this way. You live this way and you're going to die this way. That's what Lucifer would tell you. Jesus Christ says, the sky is the limit. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Right. More than conquerors, not conquerors, more than conquerors in Christ. So then he says, 
um, verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So this study is going to be broken up, but the point I was going to make, Lucifer was an instrument of praise. Lucifer lost his way. We are instruments of righteousness that Paul is telling us not to be instruments of unrighteousness. Let's go to Matthew 5 real quick. Start at verse 13. Matthew 5 and 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. That is the modern day church as you see it. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. How many in the house? All that are in the house. The light is to give to all that are in the house. Are we yet perfect? Absolutely not. The point I'm making is the end game is Jesus says, go into the kingdom, I mean, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So we ought to do the work of the Lord that every man must know. If we choose to speak to some and not to bums or not to anybody else, then we are, we are partial. Let's be real. This person's salvation is not as important as this person's salvation is. So God wants us to have a pure heart that we may not be like Lucifer. Lucifer, Lucifer glorified himself. We are to glorify the Lord. That's why we are the light of the world. Not, and I agree with Carlin. I've even heard it said once that the greatest gospel that you can do is to, um, the greatest gospel that you can preach is um, not even using words. He said, preach the gospel wherever you go. And if necessary, use words. So we ought to let people know that we are Christians simply by the way that we are. The way that our lives should be should be separate from the lives of other people. It should be a distinction. When they saw the Christians in Acts chapter 4, they called them Christians, or Acts 13, because they had been like Christ. They knew that Paul and Peter were Christians because they, were, they assumed they had been with Christ. Why? Something in them was just like Christ, and they knew it. So this is all a part of growth because Lucifer was meant to glorify the Lord. We are meant to glorify the Lord in all matter of thought, conversation, and everything that we get into. So it is important that we don't fall. We don't get puffed up with pride. We don't think that we've got it because, you know, you have to, you know, be built up in Christ to receive it. Christina brought up a good point. We are not yet made perfect. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the glorified bodies will come to be. That is the complete work is the resurrection. 
But outside of that, our flesh is, is not pure. It's corrupting. But one thing Jesus Christ knew and Paul knew, he said that I have a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And I'm not saying we got to be just like Paul. But one thing we do need to be is like Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, however we want to interpret that, that's up to you. But what I'm saying is we all aren't going to bring in the same amount. But some of us are not even on the race. And this is what I'm saying. And when we recognize who Christ is, we should be living for him. But see, we got to get the courage. We've got to get the spirit to be able to speak for Jesus. And see, if we don't know how Jesus feels or how God feels, we can't speak for him. Because what we say will be, you know, warped. We were doing in the gold frankincense and myrrh teaching. Jesus was born in a manger. He wasn't even in a house. They didn't have room for him in the end. He was born into object poverty, running for his life. Okay, but when he came back, he moved right into the ghetto right there in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a ghetto. It is not a place where you can be rich. The kingship and all that stuff was done in Israel. They were taken over by other people. Jesus was born into bondage, born into slavery, and no one would ever cross the Roman Empire. You had to be crazy. But Jesus stood there like a king, like how he came, and he said what needed to be said even. He was obedient unto death. Now, you see, Jesus said, let's go to Matthew 10. I just want to bring up this point. We'll start at verse 24, Matthew 10 and 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, they called Jesus Christ the devil, which I'm sure some people after hearing this will say the same thing about me. How much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that ye speak in the light, and what ye hear in the ear, that ye preach upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So the Lord is saying here that we are not above him, you know, that we are, it is sufficient that we be as him. All right. So now that is a work that the Lord is working out with us. But see, if we say that we don't need to do such things, we're calling ourselves above him. Yeah, Jesus, you can put your life on the line. That's what you did for us. But I'm not putting my life on the line for anybody else. You are greater than your master when you, when you say that. Because of what he did, he said it is sufficient that we be as him, like him. But he said, you know, um, fear them not. So why would he say fear them not? He talked about preaching in the light and upon the housetops. That's going to take courage. Not your courage, but the spirit of God that these things might get done. But then he goes into 28 and fear them. Fear not them which can kill the body. So Jesus Christ is identifying the one thing that keeps us from doing what we need to do. It is fear. And not just fear, fear of death. Fear, even fear of dying out to self, 
so that Christ can live in you. That is a fear. Because I know that if I give Christ everything and he walks in me, I can't do what I like to do. You know who thought that way? Satan. Lucifer. Lucifer. You see, Lucifer didn't want to glorify the Lord. He was sick of being an instrument of praise. He lifted himself up. I'm better than that. Let's make it a point. Luke 6, and I'm going to close. But you guys in your spare time, look up, you know, John 1. He became witness of the light. John 3, men hate light. No, no, let's go to John 3. John 3, and then I'll go one more spot, and then we'll close. John 3 and Luke 6. But you know what's more important? Not the study. The edifying of everything that needs to be. That is important. started John 3 and verse 2 and it says and the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him Rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from God but no man could do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God so what does that mean we need to be changed and transformed okay the old man is not getting in Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we understand born of water. A lot of people believe that is being in the womb. Or they believe that is being baptized unto him, turning away from your sin. But then there is a capital S there that says of the spirit. So if you are of the spirit, you're not going to be separated from the spirit. The spirit will live in you and guide you. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel that, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and now hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So, you know, you can't contain wind. So you definitely can't contain a Christian full of the Spirit. He's going to go as he is led, and that is all he knows. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so... Must the Son of Man be lifted up? And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Man, that rings louder than people realize. When it says that the world through him might be saved, that goes right back to Jesus Christ is the hope of glory, Christ in you. 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So what do we understand here? That he's talking about coming to that light. Now I believe tonight, you guys may disagree, I believe everything we talked about tonight brought a lot of things to light. It brought a lot of things that we could probably, we were able to discuss tonight, that we were able to understand. But one thing we knew for sure is the enemy can't hide. He was trying to hide in certain areas and do certain things. But the Lord says, when you come to the light, you know, it's going to share on things that are evil. And when we recognize what things are evil, we've got a choice to make. We can either choose to change or not change. But, you know, this is Jesus Christ. John 6, since we're right next door. Let's start at verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at that last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. We're going to have a study coming up on that believeth. Because a lot of people think believeth is to say, yeah, I believe he existed. Yeah, I believe he's the son of God. But you see, it goes so much farther than that. Believing is a lifestyle. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, he's not asking you to feel anything about it. Do you believe that he is true or he is not true? We can't choose one part and say, yes, I believe that. But then the Lord says, go into the world and preach the gospel. And, well, I'm not so sure that he meant that, you know, whatever. No, we've got to believe God. And that is not an overnight process. Little by little, we grow in grace that Christ may be formed in us. So you were going to make that point? I was just going to say, believing is not by just voicing it. It's about you cultivating it in your heart and your nature. Of Amen. You following God and writing his um, tabernacles inside of your heart. Amen. Breaking it in there where it's permanent. Amen. And it says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna. Now remember, manna means what is it? But manna is also something that is like, you know, what people relied on in the wilderness to sustain. So he says, yeah, they ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. So they were feeding their flesh. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if any man eat of this bread, 
he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So he gives us his flesh for what? The life of the world. How do we give life unto the world? We preach life, which is Jesus Christ, to bring light to every single person. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. So what is he talking about? Christ in you. How do you get there? Eat of his bread, which is what? His word. Getting to know him. Drinking of his blood. His sacrifice. Accepting the free gift of eternal life and telling other people about the gospel. Jesus wants to be one with you. And that's why he says, my father and I will make our abode in you. If that is what you want. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. And I live by the Father, and so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. So if you eat Jesus Christ, you will live as Jesus Christ. Not you being him, but Christ in you. So what he does you will do. Now remember, he's saying this to a people that only came to him for food. They like to be physically fed. They were worried about themselves. And he's telling them, stop worrying about you and worry about Christ in you. Worry about knowing me. I'm the one that's going to carry you as you go. Verse 56. I think that's where I am. Yeah. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. These things said he to the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying. Who can hear it? So what was Jesus asking them to do? Because I think at this point, they understood him clear. But the flesh couldn't get to the spirit. But they understood clear. When he said, hey, you eat of me and I in you, that means no more you, Christ in you, was going to do the job. And that's why he said, man, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it and said unto them, doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend of where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, and the, and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So while they were murmuring about, man, we got to have you live in us, and this and that, we got to be into you. All we want is food, all we want is manna, all we want is to be sustained. But here we are, and you telling us that we got to get into this? But look at how he answered them. What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Man, is that not worth it? Is that not seeing what Jesus Christ can do over some stinking manna, over some bread? And he said, my words, he said, the flesh profited nothing. The words that I'm speaking are spirit and are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning 
who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given to him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then, then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you go also away? So he wasn't trying to hold anybody captive. When he got to the disciples and he said, So will you be going too? Because, I mean, you know, he gave them the option to say, Hey, are you in or are you out? You heard their argument. You heard mine. What do you think about this matter? And then he says, uh, Will you go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Man, we got to understand what Peter was talking about here, because Peter recognized, Lord, I can go after some stinking manner. I can go after the world. I can go after going back to fishing, but I am convinced that thou has the words of eternal life. Where should I go? Peter is saying, hey, I am convinced that you are the Christ, that son of the living God. So when we recognize who Jesus Christ is, what can be more important than him? What can be more valuable than pursuing him? What's greater than him? Because this is why we're in it. And I'm not saying that there's anything that we need to to. Uh, what do you call it? I'm not saying that there's, you know, you got to jump off the, the, the platform tonight. The point I'm making is Christ formed in you. You want to improve your relationship with the Lord? You're doing what it takes. It's a beautiful thing. When he fills you, we'll know it because you probably won't even be around anymore. You'll be off doing what the Lord tells you to do. But the fact of the matter is, this is what we should all desire. Peter was convinced in his heart. Man, where, where else should I go? I left everything for you. Where do you want me to go? Because it's not going to profit me. And we've got to come to that place in who is Christ. Who, who do you say I am? Who is Jesus? Because you see, he's big to us as far as a name. But do we believe him? Do we believe what he said? It's going to come down to that Luke 6, and I'm closing. said endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ for no man that wars for Christ entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please who? Jesus Christ who is what? <laughs> I just forgot that he may please him who has chosen you to be a soldier. That is what it's about. A soldier for Christ. Luke 6, and um, let's go to verse 20, and then I'm going to close. And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye, he say it said, Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. 
prophets came to speak the truth. Repent, or we're going to be taken out, or the Lord's going to judge us. Nobody listened to the prophets. There was no recollection of the prophets being followed by anybody, except maybe Elisha and his disciple, or Elisha following Elijah. Outside of that, Jeremiah wasn't rolling with anybody. Isaiah wasn't rolling with anybody. They were out doing the will of the Lord, and no one wanted to hear them. So what did they do? They called the prophets as evil and separated themselves from this company. For who? God's sake. Verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye shall receive your consolation. You got your reward. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now that is, that is important. That is something to think about. In the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage until Noah entered into the ark and God shut the door. So we got to get ourselves ready. You know, Lucifer ain't that important. But you know, what I wanted to bring tonight was it is important that we understand what he had and how he lost it that he may not tempt you and I from being those righteous lights of Jesus Christ to shine unto the world, to be instruments of praise, to sing a new song, to glorify God and get other people into the kingdom. So Lucifer is now Satan, which means adversary, but we are in many ways that new Lucifer, that bearer of light that comes from Christ that has Christ in us to shine on a dark, cold world that is evil outside of Christ. Now, people use the name Lucifer as evil. Lucifer just means light bearer. When he was called Lucifer, it's when he was in heaven, not when he went to hell. I mean, not when he hit the earth. So we got to understand and bear that light for the Lord. Tonight's teaching was hard, but you know what? I praise the Lord no matter what happens after this study. Some of you might even get mad and never want to speak to me again. You know something? Then who am I here to please, men or God? Mm -hmm. And you know something, even if there were no one here, guess what? I'll be doing the same thing looking for other people to talk to about Jesus Christ. I love you all, man. You guys are not my enemies. I'm only telling you guys this out of love, not because I'm trying to hurt anybody. But I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please the Lord. Right. It's my job to tell people the truth that people might get saved. Because, man, there's enough other garbage gospel being preached everywhere, but no one's telling people the truth. I just want to tell people with that, I love you, and let's be the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, let's get Matthew 6 and Isaiah 58. We're going to do a comparison here. This is on fasting. <laughs> You know. Matthew 6 and 16 and then get Isaiah 58 and 3 again uh, like I was talking about when the Lord he had chastised me for what happened and I truly believe it, that he did that out of love because just as it talks about in Hebrew that you know when he chastises us that he doesn't want us to fall away. He doesn't want us to fall back into sin. He wants his children, you know, just like a parent, which had, you know, a parent disciplines their child because they don't want their child to do the wrong thing. Well, that's the same thing that 
God will do to us at times. And sometimes the chastisement's going to be a little bit harsher than others simply because when we grow in the Lord and we're getting closer with Him, we should know better at times what to do concerning Him and His ways. Okay, so Matthew 16, or excuse me, Matthew 6 and 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So when we're fasting, we are not to make a show of it. You know, we're not fasting to, to go around and tell other people that we're fasting. It is so we can crucify that flesh and so that we can get closer to the Lord. And, so, and by doing so, it just, that denial of self, and I'm not going to lie, fasting has always been hard for me to do. I mean, it's just my insides just feel like they're ripping themselves out. And I start to think, well, it's probably the demons not wanting to, to let go. And um, so it's just always, you know, it's always been hard. But it's not supposed to be easy, fasting, because it is truly a killing off of the flesh, just so we can be more like the Lord. All right, so verse 17, Be thou when thou, ha when thou fastest, anoint thy, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy feet, face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So if we're not doing it for a show, if we're not doing it to go around and tell people, hey, look at me, I'm fasting, but we're really doing it to, to get into our time with the Lord and to pray and to seek His face, then what we do in secret, he's, we don't have to tell people openly what we're doing. God the Father will reward us openly for what we do for Him. So let's compare that. Let's go to Isaiah 58. And I have a question. Go ahead. Um, so because of this scripture, you know, when I'm fasting, I really don't like to talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. um, but there has been times where I feel like the Lord... It like has come up where he wanted me to tell somebody about it to help them grow in their faith, right? Um, or just I get so excited to share my growth through fasting with somebody during that time. Um, do you think that'd be going against this? What are you saying? Here? Well, you're doing it for the right reason. I mean, you're sharing joy. Yeah, like I don't do it very often, right? If, if the Lord, well, what that's saying is there's because the hypocrite or the, the Pharisees always were, they weren't even seeking the Lord. They were doing it totally out of self. Yeah. So if the Lord is telling you, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to encourage this person about fasting. So tell them about how you fast. Mm -hmm. Then if that encourages them, as long as we hear the voice of the Lord on it, we're not trying to make a show of ourselves. Then if you're doing the Lord's will, then you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing His will. Where are we? Uh, we're in Isaiah 58 now, in verse 3. But as long as we're not trying to, like you were saying, it's like, as, as long as we're not trying to publicly go around yeah, and, and announce it, I am fasting today, look at look me. Look at me! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't then, make yourself holier. It, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Okay, Isaiah 58 and 3. This is uh, talking about Israel, but what it describes here also is like, it's, it just really lays it out about fasting. All right, verse 3. Wherefore uh, have we fasted? Uh, actually, let's start in verse 1. Sorry. 
Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and shew, they, and shew my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sin. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exalt all your exact. labors. Huh? Exact. Oh, exact all your labors. So again, this is kind of going back to what the Pharisees were doing. They wanted to be known. It's like, don't you see that I'm fasting? Don't you see that I've done all this stuff? And that's making a show of it. Verse 4. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of, of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do in this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. It, is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man not to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a, bull, as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of the wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? So, I mean, really here in these two verses, when we're fasting, it's like, if we're coming before the Lord, we want those heavy burdens to be broken off of us, you know. And it also says here to, um, uh, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break that you break every yoke. I mean, when we're under the condemnation of sin, doesn't it feel like we're oppressed? And we can also see the oppressions of others. So when we're praying too, let's pray that. Also that those people that are under oppression be set free. Verse 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, and to cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? So when we're fasting, what are we doing? We're subduing the flesh. We're trying to get it out of us. Verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, mm -hmm. and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rewarder. Then, are you going to say something? I just going to add on it says the health um, shall spring forth speedily. Mm -hmm. There is actually crazy testimonies about people just completely getting healed from fasting and just like miracles being happened through, and I'm not saying through like religious work, but it's crazy how when people deny their flesh, how things escape spiritually, and all of a sudden they become healed. Mm -hmm. Like thinking on that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Side of it. Yeah, exactly. And that too, it's just it's all again. It's about getting in closer with the Lord. I mean, it's like what are we, what is it gonna take, or what are we willing to do? You know, there's been times the Lord's asked me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just, you know, put myself out there. There's been times that the Lord has asked me to fast for three days, and I did two days, mm -hmm. you know. And it was always like, what was it about 
that third, third day, day that my flesh just so terribly and I felt terrible I felt like crazy terrible and I had to repent for that and Lord make me stronger that I can go through but there's just something about when it's like when you're almost getting to the end of it or you're going through that the flesh really is like no 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 you don't need to fast you're fine why don't you eat and have a good time and just relax and stuff like that and it's like man no I'm going to go forward and do what the Lord tells me to do mm-hmm. you know it's just getting in it really is getting in closer with him mm-hmm. that's that's what it really is about so we can be as he is Verse 9, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, and put forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. So what is the Lord? He will hear us, but when we're sitting there, you know, talking all vain stuff, or talking about others, or judging, or saying, well, look at this person's doing, look at what that person's doing. You know, he wants us to to put us, he wants us to put that away. Now, a correction is necessary for someone who comes to know the Lord. That's different. But you know, talking bad about people or whatever, or getting involved in worldly stuff, that really does put a veil over us. But you know, if we get in close to the Lord, He said, "Here am I." Verse ten, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall thy light arise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in the drought, and make thy and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail now fail not. And this to me says is that even though the flesh may say, You're hungry, you need to eat. Why don't you go eat a pizza or a cheeseburger or, you know, whatever food comes to your head when we're fasting. <laughs> and the Lord's saying, man, it's like, if you can just make it through, I will supply you. I will make fat your bones and I will give you that spring of water that only he can give us mm-hmm. if we go forward. Mm-hmm. Verse 12, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations of many generations and they shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. So, again, this is just about really, you know, one of the things that we can do to get in closer to the Lord is fasting, is denying of self. It's not just fasting, it's prayer and fasting. It's that perfect praise, it's that perfect worship before the Lord. But really, I mean, speaking to me, what am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go? to to get to be just as the Lord wants me to be and that his light will shine through me so that others will come to know him. Just thought about this. It's interesting how like Israel misused fasting, um, one of like the gifts that the Lord gave us to, you know, be able to get closer to him. But how the enemy came in and deceived it and twisted it into a religious work to mm-hmm. keep people from actually getting close and connecting to God. Yeah, well, because, you know, interesting. yeah, because the Pharisees always wanted to make a show, but they weren't doing it, obviously, for the Lord. It was for religious purposes and pride. Something to read. Yeah, I think if I get my laptop, will that mess with the... Probably not.
need to go to a certain scripture? Yeah, go to First Thessalonians five. Start there. But um can no longer walk around looking at people like they don't need help. Their silence can be just as a sure sign as the truth around your belt. The lack of contention doesn't mean there is no tension. Those hidden unsaid feelings need attention. As they push towards the surface waiting for a mention, but you bottle them down saying just like me, they are forgiven. What does it really mean to be a Christian, a full-time servant of Jesus Christ? You do not want to go to detention for the hot seat is hell and there is no thirst quenching. Do not quench the spirit. It's a warning and a way of life. Alright. It's just it was on my heart. Amen. Did you write that? Mm-hmm. And um so it's interesting. Yesterday I was walking, doing a prayer walk, and just like getting filled up in the spirit. And um I was going to a spot that I normally go with my dog, and um, so I haven't really been going as much, you know, but I've felt led lately with the Lord to, like, go out there, and I walked, and I saw this lady, and she had a big dog, and um, I don't know, it's weird, like, the dog, it, it was almost like the dog was just at peace, you know, but the lady was not, and she was like, walking and then just kind of like started like fumbling a little bit you know and then she walked right by me and like she like really tried to peer into me like it was dark and then I was just like kind of just like looking you know and then she kept walking and then I just heard the spirit say um that was a sinner and you didn't mention me and I was like okay okay so like repent sorry Jesus I keep going and then I go pray you know get in the spirit get some worship and then on my way back the spirit says the next person you see I want you to tell them about me or no he said I want you to mention me so I started walking back and then I kind of could like feel someone's presence you know and then I saw him like kind of behind me and then I just I kind of like sped up I started walking faster and then so I looked and then I like kind of felt convicted you know I looked back and they were across the street and like they were not even close to me so I kept walking like down towards my house and then there's two more people coming and they have two dogs so I'm just like like I gotta do this you know like this is like head on so I go and then I walk and I get right up on them and I can hear these bells. They sound like Christmas bells on their dog. And um, I, what I was praying about up there was just like the Lord kind of gave me some good revelation about the belt of truth. You know, like once you're you're putting your armor on and you're actually listening to him and understanding that in our armor, when we are actually in it and following him, that he'll help to keep us in the truth, you know. But you play a role too, of course. You have to speak the truth when you're charged with the truth. So I go and I hear these Christmas bells, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, I gotta, 
mention Jesus, you know? So I walk right up on them and they didn't even see me. They were like, whoa, you know, they're like, and then I was like, I like your guys' bells. Like I meant to say, um, like, it reminds me, or yeah, it reminds me of like Christmas because, you know, like Jesus is coming back. And I literally just said, keep in mind, Jesus is coming back. And I just like walked by and then they turned around like I could see, like we can't see each other's faces. It's like pitch black out there, you know. And then he just like turns around and stares at me and then just like kind of keeps going, you know. But I just thought it was so interesting because I had just prayed to the Lord about keeping me true and honest. And I was going to say something about like Christmas that, you know, just to try to relate. But it's like much more of a submission. And he just helped me be bold. You walk by two people and then you get two people at one time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Right. It's like God gave you that grace because He knew like what you would do, you know, if He kept working with you. Amen. And it's like how, like I, I didn't feel led at all to like say anything to that lady with the dog, you know, like I didn't, I didn't feel that. But then He just knew what was coming up. Mm-hmm. But it's like just always kind of be ready, being ready, like we said with like the salt, just always being ready. Mm-hmm. So First Thessalonians five and one. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So I think being sober minded, too, is also keeping your focus on the Lord, you know, like not being distracted. You got to have a a focused mind to be sober. right? So um, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the, of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says the hope of salvation, and it's just interesting, like, that's a part of you, like, the spirit and all this truth is here, Jesus Christ is here us to help us you know but we also play a part who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do and we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any men, 
but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Volunteers to pray up tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another day and another night that we get to come together as brethren true men and women of God that truly trust you and we're all in certain parts of our walk Lord Jesus but all in all you are the way the truth and the life so father please guide us Lord Jesus no matter what we're going through no matter where we are father just bring us all into unity one accord one mind and Lord let us please provoke each other into love unto good works into keeping each other true in you, in your righteousness, in your holiness, Father. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I know there's a lot going on in this season coming up, Father, but I can feel your presence, Lord Jesus, and I know that you have great plans for us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that the people listening are blessed, Father, and as we're continuing to walk everywhere that we go, we're staying in you, Lord. And your servant is right there so we can so we can be the light, Lord, the light and the salt for the people who don't know you and yes, who want Jesus to know you, Lord Jesus. Jesus Lord and Father, we have so much more to learn. You are so immense. But Lord, we just pray that the mind of Christ just surround us, Lord. Yes, Jesus. That it guide us in all truth and wisdom, Father. Thank you. And Lord, thank you so much for blessing this ministry, Father. There's so much fruit, Lord Jesus, all to your glory and honor. And the people that couldn't make it here, Father, we just pray that your comfort is with them, Lord. Your peace is with them, Father. And purge us of our unrighteousness, purge us of the world, Lord, and bring forth many fruits so we may stand, Lord Jesus, stand in the day that is coming, Father, yes, Lord as we're Jesus. waiting for you Thank to you. be taken up, Lord Jesus. Thank you, But until then, we know that we have work to do in you. Yes, so guide Lord. us in the works. You're faithful. You're holy. You're true. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, in we Jesus pray. Name. Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Amen.